Welcome to Alzheimer's Speaks Radio. I'm your host, Lori LeBay, and I'm so excited that you're joining us today. We are going to have a fascinating conversation, as usual, as we learn from people all around the world at all ages and stages of life. Stay tuned as we shift our dementia care from crisis to comfort. Right, here we go. What you think about Well, hello, everyone, and welcome back to Alzheimer's Speaks Radio. If you enjoyed our opening music, it's called Clarion Call by the Mark Arneson Band featuring uh, Maya Dore. And you can download that on any of your music platforms that you like. And when you do that, um, your proceeds actually are going to be going to Alzheimer's Speaks. They're they're being so kind to donate those uh, back to us. So, it's kind of a twofer, but it's a fun song and very uplifting, and I'm very grateful to the Mark Arneson Band for that. For those of you that are new to our show, um, we are about sound information, not just sound bites. Our goal is to raise all voices, big and small, all around the world. So those diagnosed, those that care and serve them, advocates, researchers, and more. And you, and you can also join our conversation this afternoon if you'd like. At 323-870-4602, that's 323-870-4602. And uh, before I start the show, we're going to have an exciting conversation about the IRS of caregiving. We're going to learn exactly what that is all about and how that can help us. But I always like to give a shout out to our loyal listeners. You guys are absolutely amazing. I want to thank you for your likes, your clicks, and your shares, and your subscriptions to not only Alzheimer's Speaks Radio, but our blog, our main website, our YouTube channels, um, all of our Facebook and Twitter pages as well, because we know together we're making a difference. The more information we can get out to people in need, the more comfortable they're going to feel in terms of grabbing that information when it's time for them. It also helps us all build that sense of community and collaboration and comfort, which is so greatly needed. And I truly believe that collaboration is the way that we're going to win the battle against uh, Alzheimer's disease and all the other types of dementia. Now, um, as I mentioned, we're going to be talking about the IRSs of caregiving, But I also want to um, just give a shout out to the Memory Cafe directory. Dave has done such a great job with this. It lists all the memory cafes in the U.S. that we know of. I think it's over 900 of them now. And many of them, like my memory cafe, are switching to virtual cafes. And anybody um, can can join those virtual cafes. You just go to memorycafedirectory.com. And you can get more information there. There's also a company called Live to Be Healthy. And they are doing some um, 
physical fitness videos, and that's live, the number two, the letter B, and then healthy.com. And then I also want to mention that there is going to be another sing-along that we're going to do for Alzheimer's Speaks Radio. <clears throat> we're going to do this on a Zoom platform, and that will be um, April 30th. So that's coming up this Thursday at 1 o'clock Central. So that's 2 Eastern, uh, let's see, 12 Mountain Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time with Barbara Lee and Music Memories. And I'll be posting more information on that with the blog and pushing that out. But if you go to alzheimerspeaks.com right now, you will be able to see that information. You can click on the graphic to get the Zoom link. And then I've listed the meeting ID number and the password there as well. We'd love to have you attend. We did this uh, on the 16th and we just had a fabulous response. In fact, um, one, uh, one gentleman emailed me two days later and said his wife had watched the video 29 times and he sent me a picture of her standing in front of, of the TV um, watching it. So it was just absolutely spectacular. So with no further ado, let me introduce you to our guest today. I am very excited to have Latoris Adams uh, with us. She is a family caregiver uh, support program specialist, and she also works as a Medicare counselor with the Harnett uh, County Division of Aging, which is in North Carolina. She joined the Division of Aging staff in 2014 and has been with them since 20. 10. Um, she has her bachelor's degree in public health from North Carolina Central University and a master's in health science from Western um, Carolina University. And she is a native of, of um, North Carolina and she has a daughter named Mallory and she is passionate and she has, has dedicated herself to work with older adults. And we are just uh, absolutely thrilled to have her have her with us here. So um, welcome, Latoris. How are you doing today? I am wonderful. How are you? I am. Do- I'm doing fabulous. It's rainy and gloomy here in Minnesota, but the grass is green, and <laughs> I'm still a happy camper. So <laughs> well, how, how, are, how are things down there in North Carolina? The weather is great today, very nice outside. We are still um, dealing with this COVID pandemic, but um, we are doing well, and we are serving the citizens of Harnett County to the best of our ability. Wonderful. Well, before I get started with our line of questioning, which we're going to talk about your IRS program, which I'm really excited to to hear about, I always like to ask every one of my guests if they've been personally touched by dementia in their own family or circle of friends? Um, yes, right now, presently, I have a great uncle who is dealing with um, dementia. He is a veteran. Um, he is home with my cousin and getting um, respite care at home and incontinence supplies. So um, that was just recently, a year ago. I've been in this position since 2014, but just last year I've had a family member um affected by it personally. Okay. And that, I don't know for you, but it sure changed the way I looked at it when my mom, my mom had it for 30 years and 
boy, it was just amazing what that does to you in terms of um, how, how you view things. And I know when I've gone out speaking and training, talked to some people uh, who have been like administrators of nursing homes and for one guy for 21 years, and he just broke down and bawled during one of the conferences because he's like, oh, my gosh, I, I, I need to do things really different. I thought I had this down. But he's like, when you're a family member, you see things from a whole whole another oh, angle. Yeah. And, yes, uh, ma'am. Very, very important um, for us to uh, to realize that and understand what their needs are. Let's start by asking, what advice would you give to new family caregivers? So when we think about new family caregivers, and I say in general, caregivers are silent heroes because of their devotion, commitment, and self-sacrifice. So Becoming a new caregiver, number one, identify yourself as a caregiver and know that, okay, it's okay. I'm a caregiver. This is a new role for me. But the main thing is to get a good diagnosis. There are different forms of dementia, and I tell people that. Um, Dementia is like an umbrella term, like we think of cancer. You have lung cancer, breast cancer. You have different elements under that one term. The same with dementia. You have frontal temporal, FTD, you have Parkinson's disease, you have Alzheimer's, which is the major one. Um, There's just Lewy body. There's so many types of dementia, but they all are a memory loss. So the first thing would be to go to a specialist or geriatrician and get a proper diagnosis. Um, You also, becoming a new caregiver, you want to learn what specific skills you might need um, to deal with this diagnosis. We know with Parkinson's, people um, shake a lot. It's just just different things. Um, You also want to talk about finances and your loved one's health care wishes. You don't want to wait towards the end. You want to start everything in the beginning and have things set in place. You want to bring together your family and friends and discuss things. You definitely want to form a team, whether it's through faith-based community, neighbors, You forming a team if you can is very important. You want to identify resources, both personal and in the community, and you want to find support for yourself and your loved one. And I always tell new caregivers, you are not alone. You are not the only caregiver out here dealing with this. And that's where our support groups come in at. So true. So true. I, I love that. I, you know, identify yourself as a caregiver because I know Art did a big, huge promotion a few years ago. And, and I remember meeting with them and they said, you know, we were just shocked that people didn't see themselves as a caregiver. So they didn't mm-hmm. reach out for the support because they were, you know, a husband, a wife, a daughter, a son, a friend, whatever it might be, but they didn't see themselves as a caregiver. So I, I think that that is really um, very important. And, and I'm just going to throw in a couple of things. I, I personally like the terms, um, caregiver is the one that's most common, but using the term care partner or care companion, because then yes. it doesn't... Um, it doesn't feel as heavy and it still to mm-hmm. me feels like people are in a relationship. And if there's one thing we don't want them to lose, of course, is their relationship. So thank you for that. Um, identifying as a caregiver and, 
and not waiting. Um, I, I That is so important, too, because so many families wait to get paperwork in order, thinking we don't have to do it, because we, we tend to approach those things as end of life. And, you know, mm-hmm. my mom lived with dementia for 30 years. So, mm-hmm. you know, we none of us know how long we have, but getting things in order, getting educated is really, really important. What are some of the responsibilities of of a caregiver? Because sometimes I think people don't even know what that means. You know, what now what? Exactly. So sometimes I say, like I said, a caregiver is a hero. And I like how you said to still, if you're the if you're the daughter, you're still her daughter. You are the caregiver, but you're still going to play your role as the daughter. You don't want to lose sense of the relationship that you and the care recipient had before the diagnosis. So when we look at responsibilities of a caregiver, we think every day, and we call them our ADLs, our activities of daily living. Those are common things like cooking, cleaning, things that we can do on our on our own. So common tasks that caregivers do, they buy groceries, they cook, they clean, they do laundry, they provide transportation. A lot of them help the care um, recipient get dressed, take a shower, remind them to take their medication, medical appointments. You, they also talk with doctors, lay out a plan. They they handle things um, as far as crisis and arranging for assistance. Right now, what's going on, these caregivers have to think outside the box and create other means of making sure their loved one is cared for because some of them are still working, or even if they're working from home, you still need someone to help you tend to your loved one while you handle your responsibilities. They're a companion. Sometimes our care recipients, they just need somebody to look after them or just hold any type of conversation. But I say a common task of a caregiver is an unpaid aid and your own call 24-7. And that's a good definition. And then on top of it, you still are whatever you were before, <laughs> you know. Yes. So you really you have this dual role or this mixed role which sometimes can get complicated with family um, when people pick up, um, you know, or are assigned to be that, that care partner um, within the family structure. Um, what types of, of support is available um, through, through your county, Harnett County? County? So I'm in Harnett County, and we're in North Carolina. So the Harnett County Division on Aging we offer our Family Caregiver Support Program. This program is a national program, and it was established in November of the year 2000 under the Older American Act of 1965. So this act was implemented to help support family caregivers that are caring for an aging loved one with dementia or any other neurological disorder that hinders them from performing their ADLs, and that is those activities of daily living. So through this um, program, we provide information about available services, assistance gaining services, caregiver trainings, respite care, which is so, so important. And everybody's like, what is respite? Well, respite is giving the caregiver a break to prevent caregiver burnout. There are so many cases that I see where the caregiver is sick 
or dies before their loved one because they're neglecting their own health. So respite comes in. We assess them. We do a home visit. We send someone out. It can be through an agency or it can be through um, a, a neighbor, a church member, just not a family member. And we will pay them so you could get a break. You could go out of town, go to church, get your hair done, anything to prevent caregiver burnout. And it is so, so important. And all of my wonderful caregivers in Harnett County take advantage of that program, and it has helped them. I did. We do surveys at the end of every physical year, and they all are just so grateful of getting that break. To us, it seems like, you know, what's the big deal? But I've had caregivers that hadn't even been to Walmart in a year because they cannot leave their loved one alone. They just send their money when family members or neighbors stop by to go get things that they need. So just being able to walk around Walmart for an hour or two and not have to rush back home was priceless to some of the caregivers. Um, we also offer supplemental services. Um, at some point, if a person has dementia, um, they become incontinent. And depends and underpads are extremely expensive if you're on a fixed income. Um, so we help purchase those. I purchased them through a company called McKesson, and that those items are shipped right to their house. Um, we also purchase um, Insure. Some of them, their um, appetite decreases at times. So just to make sure they get that nutrient, we ship them um, Insure. All of these things are free. It's through the grant program through the Older Americans Act, and they qualify based on their diagnosis and their need, and there's no cost. So um, this service has been amazing. Um, last year, I also stepped outside the box because it would become a point in time where I would run out of funds, and I still had caregivers who desperately needed depends. So I formed a partnership with the Diaper Bank of North Carolina. It's in Durham, North Carolina, and not only do they do children's diapers, but they do adult incontinent supplies. Um, so I'm able every other month to put in an order and go pick up um, all the supplies I need and bring them back to Harnett County. I'll actually be going next week because we're getting more calls from people because they're stuck in the house due to the stay-at-home orders. Yeah, what what a great service. Um, all of those things are the the rest, but I, I would love to come up with a different word because you're right. Nobody knows what the heck it means when they first step into this space at all. And um, but it really is about getting getting some rest and staying balanced. And, you know, for some people that might be taking a nap for others, it might be getting their hair or their toes done or going for a walk or um, you know, it, it could be as running errands. It doesn't make any difference, but you have to you have to stay balanced. And to have those supplemental resources like incontinence products and insure, um, especially during these times, um, I, I know it's a need all year long, no matter what's going on. But I would imagine with the COVID, like you said, it, it's um, increased even more because many people who are caring for somebody at home may have had some respite through maybe a day program that no longer is, you know, they're able to go to because of this. And so everything is, everything is shifted for everybody, not just the, not just the care partner, but the person with dementia is feeling the stress of all these, 
changes as well. What are some ways that, that care partners can honor their own needs as well as to committing to care for somebody else? How do you, how do you balance all that? That is a tough question because in life itself, <laughs> you know, it's hard for us to balance and, and keep up with things just on a daily basis. Um, but the key thing is to care for yourself. If you do not care for yourself, there's no way you can care for somebody else. It, it can be draining. It can be um, depressing. It can come with so many emotions. Um, for example, I have a lot of husband and wives where the husband is the caregiver for the wife. And normally you think, you know, and it's mainly a woman's nature to be caring or cleaning up after someone, but I'm seeing men in their 70s and 80s stepping up, making sure their wife is clean, she's fed, they're doing all the things that the wife used to do. So it's one thing to gear up for a short-term crisis or a short-term event, you know, somebody's sick, they had surgery, but it takes different skills to provide care over a long period of time. Being successful in this, you have to take care of yourself immediately. So one thing to remember, nobody in this is perfect, and you cannot compare, um, well, I should have did it this way, I should have did it that way. You do your best with where you're at at that moment. That's what I tell people. Do your best at that moment. You can't worry about what failed what what might you should do better, take that and stride, but do what you can at that moment. And you have right to feel emotions. You have right to a right to feel angry that your loved one doesn't remember who you are. You have the right to feel those feelings. Um, so I tell people, set realistic expectations for yourself and your loved one. If you know your your mom doesn't remember you, I tell people to go along with it. Sometimes you have, it's, it's like a game, sadly. If they think you're the aunt, say, hey, tell me more about the aunt. What did you, what did you and Aunt Sally used to do? You know, you just you go along with it because if not, you will stress yourself out. When you learn about the disease, and that goes back to when you're a new caregiver and you're getting all this wonderful support and information, it is important to have accurate information. You're going to learn about the disease, and that way when your mom starts losing her keys or trying to run out the door, you'll know what to expect, and you can put things in measure. You can put a lock up on the door or a little alarm that sounds off when she opens the door. You can give her toy keys like a child's keys. And put and hide the real keys. You know, you when you know what to expect, you're ten steps ahead of the game. And learn to accept help from others. My care, caregivers accept help from me because I'm the professional at it. But I tell them, if somebody calls and say, "Hey, I'm going to the store. If there's anything you need, whether you think it's it's not a waste of their time to go, let somebody do that." Because sometimes when you keep telling people no they never ask you again, and there may be a time when you really, really need them. Even if it's for them to sit with their loved one for 20 minutes so you can walk down the road and take a breather, accept help. Exactly. And I always say, and this goes along with all of us, remember the big three for successful coping, <clears throat> eating right. We have to have a good nutrition. 
We need to exercise, even if that's just walking around the house. And we need to get as much sleep as we can. And when you're dealing with a person with men, um, dementia, memory issues, sometimes they may have sundowners. Sometimes they may be up all through the night and sleep all day. So sleep when they sleep. You know, you have to adjust your schedule. But most importantly, remember that taking care of yourself is as important as taking care of someone else. So you have to put yourself first and you have to set limitations and you have to be open to change, something new every day. You have to be open and you have to develop a sense of humor. And if you're a person of faith, some you need to rely on your faith. But you have to be created with this because this is not a short-term situation like you said, your um, family member had it for over 30 years. This can be a long period of time that you may be providing care for your loved one. There's no, there's no time limit to it. Exactly. Looks like we have a couple callers on the line, so let me just see. <clears throat> Sometimes people call in and just listen. But I have somebody with the last four numbers of 6765. 6765, you're live and on the air. Do you want to state your name and if you have a question or a comment? 6765? Hi, yes. My name is Nikita King. And I have a comment because I was a caregiver for my dad. He had cancer and he recently passed. And I think one of the things me was feeling like if I left him, I would be letting him down or something could happen when I was away. I think that was one of the big things as a caregiver that I thought about all the time that it was hard to leave because I never knew what would happen while I was gone. Yeah, that is a tough one. Latondras, do you want to uh, address that at all? Yes, that is so common because, you know, you kind of feel like they're your child now, even though that was your dad, and your goal is to protect him and keep him safe. Um, but I'm very sure that your dad on the other end wanted you to get a break too because sometimes they know that it can be overwhelming, um, but at times we all need our breaks. But that is a normal feeling that all caregivers have, whether it's a child to a family member or a husband or a wife, you want to make sure they're safe. When I have respite for some family members, and there's an aide there, and they go to the store. They rush because they're ready to get back home. Like, they don't want them to fall. They don't want anything to happen while they're not there. Even though somebody is still there with them, they're ready to get back home with them. And to me, that's just love, and that speaks volumes. That speaks volumes about the love that you have for the person that you're taking care of. So that is a normal feeling to have. Yeah, I, I would definitely agree with that. I know I felt that way um, a lot, but it but it, it gets to this point. I think as a as a caregiver, a care partner, where you know what we're feeling is guilt, and and guilt can can really weigh us down and burden us, and thinking that we should do better. But again, you have to have that balance in life. And, you ha- you know, none of us were perfect before. And one of the things that helped me through that, and I don't know if this would help you, but <laughs> I realized all of a sudden one day, nobody really wants to be tied down to me 24-7. You know, that, that variety is the spice of life. And that is for a person with dementia as well. 
And so, uh, you know, sometimes when we, when we step away, um, that gives a person, a, a, you know, another individual to interact with um, and maybe some memories to create. And also they might be having that longing for you to come back, but then when you do come back, then it's just kind of a, a nicer, tighter moment too between you because you know you've got that special, that special bond. But again, I, I, I totally agree uh, with Latoria said it's, it is very common um, to feel that way. But again, it's about finding that, finding that balance in life as well. Was that helpful for you? Yes, that was very helpful. Thank you. Good, good. Well, thank you so much for calling in. Uh, it looks like our other um, other callers have, have dropped off. Um, I wanted to make comment to, you know, uh, Latorius, you had talked about, you know, we don't have to be perfect, you know, as a, as a care partner. And one of the things that I find funny is, and I know I did this a lot, I, I just held, I just held the baton so high and I just felt that I had to meet this extraordinary need and that I had to be perfect in this role because it was so important to me because I loved so deeply and I cared for my mom so deeply. I, she deserved that, you know. And yet um, I held to these perfection standards and when I look back now, I kind of chuckle going, well, I wasn't perfect before. Why do I have to be now? Why is it so important to me? You know, and it was because I was caring for somebody else and like that whole deep love thing. But it, there was really that standard of perfection. And I also felt that there was a standard and I didn't even realize it at the time. But looking back, I can see it now where I wanted to be perfect. And do a good job because I knew, I or I knew, or I felt others were judging me on how I was caring. And do you find that to be common, a common issue uh, that people juggle with as well? I've heard some of my caregivers um, mention that um, in my support groups, and generally, that comes from caregivers who have siblings. And one sibling may be in another state, and the one that's caring for them is doing the best that they can do. And the sibling in the other state is being very critical on their decisions. Um, So to kind of mediate that, I have some information from the National Institutes of Health, and I send it to the long-distance caregivers. And there's great information in there because – even if you're not in the same state, everybody can do their part, okay? Because you're out of state, you can still help order supplies online. You know, you can attend support groups, um, be alive on emails. Like, there's so many things that you can do to help. I've had great um, caregivers that were siblings where one would come for a month at a time, take a leave of absence or either work from home so that the live-in caregiver, the sibling, could get a break. So some people have came very creative, but I also tell them, don't be negative about anything that you think the person is doing wrong because somebody that's living with it every day, that's a whole different ball game than you being away. You know, they're the ones up at night. They're the ones frustrated. They're the ones sometimes saying, 
Why me? Why am I the one stuck taking care of mom? I've also had um, a caregiver. She had seven daughters. I think two of them lived out of state, but every night one of them stayed with the mom. So they broke it up so it was a team effort. Um, so whenever you can build a team, there's your team. And as long as everybody does their part, it relieves stress on the other ones. Now, I also have caregivers that are the only child, so that puts everything on them, every single thing on them, and those are the ones that tend to suffer from caregiver burnout because they have nobody to rely on, If and then maybe neighbors help, but now that neighbor has other accommodations to do, so sometimes those are the worst that I try to shoot for extra respite hours for because I know they have no one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Looks like we've got a few more callers on, so I'm going to go to um, a 6687 number, and we'll see if we can pull them in. 6687. It's uh, there, you're live now. Did you have a comment or a question, 6687? Hello, did you want to make a comment or um, ask a question? Last four digits are 6687. Nope, maybe not. And that's okay. So, like I said, sometimes people just call in on this number. Let me try an 8709 number. 8709, you're live and on the air. Did you have a question or a comment? Hello, 8709? No comment. No comment? Okay, thank you. Um, let me try. We've got two more out here. An 8781 number. 8781. Did you have a comment or a question you wanted to ask? 8781. Have a lot of listeners today by phone. Okay, let me try one other one, and that is fine. Um, 2311. 2311. You're live and on the air. Did you have a question or a comment that you wanted to ask? Yeah, I'm just supporting the show. Latorius is a good friend of mine, so I'm just showing her support. Okay, well, she's doing a wonderful job. I can tell she's just filled with knowledge and is, uh, I'm sure, helpful to so, so many people. So thank you. Thank you for calling me in. Um, Latorius, I wanted to ask you about support groups um, specifically, and how do you feel that they help people? I know for myself, and I'll just use myself as an example, I was very resistant to going to one because I felt so overwhelmed with everything I was already doing. And I, and I had it in my head that I just couldn't do one more thing. You know, I, I needed to get other things done in my life versus just this whole dementia thing. And I, I fell into a support group on accident was the best thing that ever happened to me. But yeah. do, you, do you find that people have resistance um, to, I think even just the word support group, it, it I, I don't know, it had, it had some stigma for me, I think. Um, yes. and I think. So I think the resistance comes in at just what you said. I have enough on my plate. I cannot guarantee that I can attend a meeting on top of that. Because caregiving is tough, but it also can be an isolating experience. So our support group meets 
once a month on the third Thursday of every month, and we meet from like 11 to 11.30. I feed them a marvelous lunch, so they look forward <laughs> to coming. Also, um, I have different speakers. We play games. We have Christmas parties. It's not your traditional support group. We do go around. We do vent. But I have speakers come in and talk about funeral planning, um, grief, just different topics that are so, so relevant that we put to the side. So a lot of, um, when I started here, a lot of my caregivers, their loved one already passed away. They just loved the social outing and had developed friends. So then they would meet other people and say, oh, you need to come to this support group. So since I've been here, I've grown my support group like triple. The numbers have tripled because I also have a grandparents raising grandchildren support group. But what what they see is Harnett County is very rural. Some people that have been here know people from word of mouth, and some people have moved here because we're close to Fayetteville and there's a military base there. So you have a lot of military families, and it's new to them, and they want to know what's out here. So it's important for the caregiver to determine if a support group is appropriate for them. Those that I have that have siblings, maybe one sibling to come, maybe both, but what they take from it is knowledge not just for themselves. They take it to their faith-based communities. They take it to their neighbors. I have a neighbor come to the support group to get information because the neighbor cannot leave her loved one. His dementia is that far out she can't leave him. So what they gain is social outing. You know what I mean? Like they, they're not being socially isolated just in the house watching the news and taking care of their loved one. That's a lot. That's a lot that can affect your mental health. So some of them, I have people calling me now, when are we going to meet again? So next month for May, we're going to do a phone call conference. You know, all of them are not computer savvy to be online, but we're going to have our meeting over the phone. And we're not going to talk about just the down depressing things going on right now in the world. We're going to talk about joy and uplifting things. And, hey, do you need anything? I can bring pull-ups to your door and practice social distancing. So they get more from me just than us sitting around focusing on the negatives. We focus on the positives of how was it when your wife, before your wife developed dementia? What do you remember? You know, play music in the house, lift the spirits in the house. So that's what they enjoy about me because I'm going to make it broader than just coming around and, and being down. Yes, we cry, we laugh, we joke, but it's all joy in the end. Um, a year and a half ago, I was featured on a Spectrum um, news news clip and it was a military man caring for his wife, and he had PTSD and she had dementia. But he just talked about how rewarding he was to make sure that his wife was safe and she was around him every day. Think about it right now. You have caregivers, and their loved one is in a facility, and they can't even see them. So all my caregivers, their loved ones are generally home with them. So participating in a group provides you with an opportunity to be with people who are likely to have the common purpose and likely to understand one another. Because it's one of those things, if you haven't been through it, you don't understand it as much until you're dealt that card. So 
benefits, they feel less lonely, isolated, or judged. It reduces stress, depression, and anxiety. You get to talk openly and honestly about your feelings. Um, you stay motivated to manage your own chronic conditions or treatment plans. You also gain a sense of empowerment and controlling your hope. And I'm going to say that again because that's the most important thing is to gain a sense of empowerment and to control your hope, um, improving your understanding of the disease, and get practical feedback about treatment options, learn about health, economic, and social resources. So a lot of them come to my group for the first time, and that's when they learn about the IRS of caregiving, and that's information, respite, and support. And that is what the Harnett County Division on Aging Family Caregiver Program offers, information, respite, and support. Well, that is that is wonderful. And um, you're, you're right. There's so many little things um, that can happen in a support group. And it's so important to understand that, you know, these groups aren't, um, you know, I guess I had this impression that it was, it was going to be a lecture and I was going to have to follow rules and I was going to have to commit to being there. And I didn't want to, I didn't want to have to do that. And, you know, what I found with dementia support groups is people are extremely flexible in terms of understanding what the, what the needs are and that schedules change. And, and I love yes. getting to know all of somebody, you know, not just the dementia side, but, you know, I know mm-hmm. in our memory cafes, I don't even like to call them a support group because I call them a gathering of friends because we're unscripted and we go where we need to go. And mm-hmm. we support one another and we, we celebrate one another. Um, and like you said, we laugh, we cry, but we're always there for one another. And that mm-hmm. is just a really, really beautiful thing. Um, and I think people have to get over that and step in. And not every group's going to fit everybody's needs. And that's okay. Um, but, you know, don't don't push them all off because one didn't work or because you think it's not going to. Um, they, it, it is de- definitely, definitely worth a try. Well, I'm going to try to pull some other people in because we've got more people on the phone, and we'll just see if anyone else wants to chat with us or not. So I am going to okay. pull in something at a 4170 number. 4170 is the last four digits of your phone number. Did you have a, a question or a comment that you wanted to ask? Four one seven zero. You have a lot no, of quiet I'm just people. In. Okay, that's fine. Thank you so much. Um, well, I'm going to try one other one here. We've got. I'm um, just looking at new new numbers coming up. An eight eight zero zero number. Eight eight zero zero. Did you have a question or a comment that you wanted to ask? Eight eight zero zero. I guess we got another listener. Well, that's okay. We just have an unusual number of people on the phone today, which is perfectly fine, whichever way, uh, whichever way it works for them. Um, one of the things uh, that I'll just throw out to, to you um, is, you know, we're going to be doing a, um, a music sing-along, and feel free to pass that along. It'll be through Zoom this Thursday. But if okay. any, uh, any, any people in your group um, you know, would like to attend that, um, I will I will send you the link and the code and all of that stuff. 
But in Zoom, um, people had so much fun, you know, doing that. Um, I think I mentioned in the in the intro, we had one man call and say, said his wife watched the video because I put it on YouTube afterwards 29 times, and that was in two days, <laughs> and just gotcha. really enjoyed it. Um, but people love the the old songs and being able to participate and see different faces. We couldn't actually sing together um, because of the delayed timing with the internet and stuff, but it was really really quite fun uh, to be able to to have have that uh, that piece go in. Now, um, are you guys? I want to ask you: Are you guys doing any dementia friendly community work specifically um, down there in North Carolina? Yes, so I believe it's Orange or Chatham County. They became the first dementia-friendly county. Um, So my funding for this program comes from Mid-Carolina Area Owned Agency, and that's Cumberland County. And Mm -hmm. my regional specialist, Barbara White, and myself, right before this pandemic started, we are working to make Harnett County, along with Cumberland and Sampson County, um, dementia-friendly And my regional consultant, Barbara White, she is so supportive because we realize, I mean, taking care of somebody can be a joy, but it can be difficult, you know, even when it's somebody you love. So we want to make sure that when people are going in the grocery store or running errands and their loved one may have an outburst or anything, that people are aware and educated on what's going on. Our sheriff's department does have the program, The Lifesaver, where you can mm-hmm. put um, a bracelet around, and so if they leave the house or wonder why civil alerts come in at, that they can um, find that person. But you mentioned memory cafes, and I went to one. It's in Cary, North Carolina, in Wake County two years ago, and it was amazing. Um, they had music therapy there, and just the light up on the care recipient's face, singing songs and hymns that they knew to me, it just gave them dignity. I mean, they felt like they were out to eat at a restaurant, and I feel like they still should be treated as a person. Um, sometimes I like I I often say that dementia to me is worse than cancer in a sense because that individual cannot tell you how they're feeling. That individual can't tell you if they're hurting, they're in any type of pain. You know, all of that is gone. So it it take it's it's very draining. It takes a lot of you a lot out of you to look after somebody, and sometimes you don't even know what's wrong. Yep, yeah, that's that's very true. That's very true. The and there's all different types of of memory cafes too. Um, I know in Arizona they they just come and they have they all buy dinner together, um, or else have a have a cocktail and or hors d'oeuvre, and they meet at. Um, uh, what is it? P pH Fangs Changs or something, and it was very different than mine. My cafe, we just talk. We don't really have any uh, particular programming because that's what they want. Um, we thought we were going to do, you know, half. Uh, we meet for two hours twice a month, and we thought that the first hour we'd do like educational program, and and then you know we'd sit around and kind of uh, chat and get to know one another. And they really um, said, you know, we can get those things in other places. And they just so enjoyed the peer support and um, developing friendships. And so that's really what we focus on. And then there are some that have art or music, 
some split people up. You know, they're together for part of the program, and then the people with dementia go one way, and the, the care partners go another way. So there's no right or wrong. Um, some focus on technology and usage, and I mean, it's it's really endless of of mm-hmm. what can happen with all of those, which is kind of kind of neat, and um, and I think just really really fun. Um, the dementia-friendly communities. Um, you know, I love that concept. Um, I saw that, you know, over over across the pond um, and really got to know much about it through Norms McNamara and, and others over there. And so, you know, we had actually started, um, I worked with the Lutheran Home Association, and I want to say it was in, I want to say it was 2013, we launched the first dementia-friendly community in the U.S. in Watertown, Wisconsin. And it was just amazing, the response of people wanting to learn so much about what's going on and, you know, how do we do this? And, you know, I'm always about collaboration and and trying to share information and and resources to people. So it's just, it's amazing the people that you run into and the skill sets and the desires to push things forward um, are really, really powerful. I would imagine you're seeing that down there as well. Absolutely. Yes, ma'am. And I always um, like to say that caregivers come in all sizes, shapes, genders, and ethnicities, but they have one thing in common. They are normally not prepared for their new role because they devote so much time, energy, focus, financial resources, and providing care for their loved ones. So, the IRS of caregiving is very important to me. It is very important to have information and support and just anybody you can talk to to lead you in the right direction for you and your loved one. Yeah, very, very important. I'm going to share just one quick story about, because um, I think the whole the whole respite thing is so important, and I think it's one of those that's it's hard for caregivers and care partners to to realize the importance of balance in their life and and if if they were like me they didn't even know they lost it because you're so busy doing you're not sitting back to analyze Um, but this story just really hits home and and I think hopefully it will help some of our listeners today but I had um, a bunch of girlfriends that would get together for coffee every week and they would call me every week and invite me to go. And I would say, no, 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 no. And at that time, I was taking care of my mom with dementia and my dad with brain cancer. And so as I'm sitting with, you know, both of them, and I'm thinking there's absolutely no way I could go. And so they called this one week and invited me. And I was having a really bad day. And, and I thought, just to get them off my back, I'm going to tell them I'll come for 10 minutes. I just, mm-hmm. I didn't, I didn't want to even handle that call anymore. That's how much in overload I was, and I didn't know it at the time. So mm-hmm. I, I, I waltzed in like I was the queen bee, honoring them with ten <laughs> minutes of my precious time. And I mean, I laughed just yeah. thinking about how how stupid this was, but it's where I was at. And I ended up staying for two hours, and we laughed and we cried together. And I never missed a coffee after that. Yeah. Because, oh, yeah. Because, because what I didn't realize was how empty I had become. Mm-hmm. And you don't know how empty you are sometimes until you get refilled. And you That's can't right. get refilled if you don't take the opportunity. That's right. And, and, 
and to me it was it it was just such a shift in not only what I did and how I did, but who I was. Because I wasn't liking the person I was becoming because I was becoming too short. Because I was overwhelmed, but but I was strong and I get through everything and I'm perfect and I'll you know I'll, you know you forge through and you you just keep pushing and pushing and pushing and. I had clients um, later on tell me, you know, I don't know what happened with you, Lori, but your your eyes are just gorgeous now. They just glisten. And I'm like, well, what were they like before? They they were like, they were dark. They were Mm -hmm. just almost pitch black. I don't have black eyes. I don't have brown Mm -hmm. eyes. I have blue to green eyes. But that's how overwhelmed I was. And I was able to get that spark back again. Okay. Now we've got we have another caller here, so let me just double check. I want to make sure that we're not missing anybody that wants to speak. We've got somebody on a one zero zero number one zero zero. Did you have a comment or a question? One zero zero one. Nope, we got another silent listener. Okay, <laughs> that's okay. Um, <laughs> Anything else that you would like to share with our audience? I just love all that you're doing, and I love the IRS for caregiving, the information, the respite, and the support, and you really do need all of those three pillars to really be a a strong, healthy um, care partner in my eyes. I, I think that that's a wonderful, wonderful acronym, the IRS Um yeah, and and I loved when you mentioned about eating and exercising and, and sleep, too, because um, so often we don't eat right and we don't exercise and we don't get much sleep. I remember being up in the middle of the night an awful lot thinking of all the stuff that I had to do. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, you've just given us a lot of great, great information here. Um but any any other comments? We've got about six minutes um, yeah, left of uh, the show. Absolutely. I would always say value yourself. Value yourself um, for what you're doing. Value yourself that you are you are deciding to keep your loved one at home instead of putting them um, in a facility. I had a caregiver. She was from Korea, um, and in their culture, they do not believe in nursing homes for their parents. I mean, you take care of them because your mother raised you. So you do have different different individuals and different walks of life that have different beliefs about caregivers. Um, I knew this was really, really my heart in doing this, and um, my dedication and passion with working for older adults is just beyond the roof. If I could bring them all to my house and make sure they were good, I would. And um, – I did a home visit, and a gentleman had a stroke, and he was paralyzed from the waist down. And his wife was a short lady, and when I was there, he blacked out. And Mm -hmm. so I'm like, oh, no, please do not tell me that he is about to die while I'm here. So the woman is running around, and we call 911, and I was so calm, and I I sat right there with him because in that moment somebody had to be calm. Um, and, and I mean, he came back to life. He was, um, dehydrated or whatever. But in that moment, I realized, what if that woman was there by herself? You know, Mm -hmm. that's just a part of 
daily caregiving, she she was in no state of mind to even call 911. She was freaking out because she didn't know what was wrong with her husband. So that is the importance of why people need respite and need a break because people deal with this 24-7. You never know what to expect. So value what you do, value resources, accept help. You know, me, I'm going to be very creative with it. In the county, we have a lot of people that donate things, um, and I give them out to people. So it's good to be it's good to be open and it's good to help people. And they say now help your neighbor, call somebody if you know they're taking care of a loved one with dementia or either cancer or anything. Just call them and see how they're doing or see if they need anything. I have um, a Liberty Baptist Church. They have a mom's group. When this crisis hit, they brought twelve fifty dollar food line gift cards for me to share and give to my families directly. Some of them I had to go to the grocery store and buy their stuff, but there's people in the community that will help, and it's it's really been phenomenal for me in Harnett County. So that's where my passion and dedication comes from because I have parents. I had grandparents. We're all going to be a caregiver one day or to some degree, and we're all going to need help, and we're all going to need somebody to help us or help somebody else. That's so true. So very, very true. Um, well, Latondra, do you want to give us uh, the information, contact information, in case people want to reach out to you, what you'd like them yes. to have? Yes. So, again, my name is Latorius Adams. I'm with the Harnett County Division on Aging, and we're under the Harnett County Department of Public Health. Um, I can be reached at 910-814-6075. Or you can go on our website, www.harnett.org slash agent, and I keep up-to-date information on our on our Harnett County website as well. Okay, it was forward slash agents, did you say? Aging, A-G-I-N-G. Aging, okay, that's why I wasn't sure yeah. it was making sense. Yeah, <laughs> <So I'm, laughs> okay. <laughs> wanted to make sure, because I, I didn't have the website for you, so that's yeah. why I always ask. Um, well, thank yes. you so much for your time thank today. You. Really, really appreciate it. And keep up the great work that you're doing. I appreciate that. Thank you so much. So in wrapping up, I just want to thank all of our listeners again. Um, you can go to alzheimerspeaks.com for more information. You can find out about our projects and our initiatives, or if you're looking for a, a speaker, trainer, or a consultant, I would love to talk to you. Or if you are looking for branding and marketing opportunities. We have a lot to offer there as well. And don't forget our sing-along on April 30th at 1 p.m. Central Time. You'll find more information at Alzheimer Speaks on that. Uh, that'll be with Barbara Lee and Music Memories. So have a blessed week, everyone, and we will talk soon. Hi, I'm Lori LeBay, and I wanted to tell you about Alzheimer Speaks, which is another great podcast. You see, my own mother lived with dementia for 30 years, and I felt lost. Did you know every three seconds someone in the world is being diagnosed with dementia? Odds are it's going to hit your families too. We want to help you connect to services, products, tools, research, and stories so you can be prepared. Please subscribe to Alzheimer Speaks on your favorite podcast platform.